Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. We are powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. This podcast is our eddy in the rushing waters of local journalism. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Remax Key Properties, a family-owned, full-service real estate brokerage specializing in residential, luxury, commercial, new construction, and ranch and land properties. Their new state-of-the-art facility at 42 Greenwood Avenue is a modern, collaborative space and the new home of the Ben Don't Break podcast recording studio. Hi, this is Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source Weekly. Today, we welcome Cassie McQueen, Executive Director of Deschutes Children's Foundation. Cassie is a native Texan and grew up working with at-risk youth in some of the most impoverished areas of North Texas. Inspired by the resiliency she witnessed in marginalized communities, Cassie developed a deep passion for public service and a commitment to social change. Her career has included leadership positions at nonprofit organizations across the country, including Director of Outreach and Education at Chamberlain Performing Arts, Chief Operating Officer of the Cascades and Alaska Regions of the American Red Cross, and Executive Director of Saving Grace of Central Oregon. Cassie now serves as the Executive Director of Deschutes Children's Foundation and is committed to supporting children, families, and over 19 partner organizations here in Deschutes County. Cassie is an avid biker, aspiring martial artist, and enjoys spending time outdoors with her family. Cassie, thank you for being here again. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks for that wonderful welcome, too. It's always like, oh, yeah, that's what I've done. That's me. Right. That's great. How how, have we done? I know you've uh, done the podcast once. Have you done it more than once? Are we? You know, I think this is my lucky number two. Okay. I think this is it. Yeah. All right. Well. We, um, you've recently changed positions, so you're, uh, and, and that's kind of what, what made, a, made me want to get you back in here again and, and chat because we were conversing about several things around the nonprofit world, but maybe just to kick things off, talk a little bit about your most recent transition. Yeah. So. Cause you know, you're known as Miss Saving Grace. I, I'm Saving Grace, <laughs> you know, and Saving Grace will always be deep in my heart, yeah. you know, uh, not to take away any time from Deschutes Children's Foundation, but the reality is domestic violence and sexual assault is real. You've heard me say it a million times, Aaron, it's yeah. a family issue. It's an everybody issue. Um, and I will always be with Saving Grace, yeah. you know, um, but I really saw an opportunity as, you know, I, I was with Saving Grace over the course of COVID, saw all of the incredible challenges that not just domestic violence nonprofits are facing, but all nonprofits are facing. Um, and I think we all know this if we're in business. It is hard to do business in Bend. We love it here, yeah. but it is hard. And just saw an opportunity to hopefully help more nonprofits in our area because we need places like Saving Grace. We need places like Mountain Star and Kids Center and CASA and the list goes on and on and on. So Saving Grace will for always and forever be a part of my heart. I'm really excited to be at the Children's Foundation and to build all these nonprofits up here in Central Oregon. Maybe let our listeners know just uh, what does the Deschutes Children's Foundation do? What's their area? Yeah. Thank you for asking because it has been mind-blowing to me. So Deschutes Children's Foundation has been around for over 30 years, um, but a lot of folks don't know what we do. You know, uh, Easy One is the mission. The mission is to provide space and support to nonprofits that are serving children and families. Um, how I really see it, though, is we are the literal foundation on which that these nonprofit partners have built incredible missions, incredible programs that serve kids and families 
every single day. And so what it looks like is we have four campuses here in Deschutes County where we are providing really low cost facility uh, space and management to these nonprofits. And then we provide them collaboration and support so they can do the hard work and we just make it easier for them to do it. And that's probably one of the reasons that Deschutes Children's Foundation has that lower profile. I mean, you, a lot of your work is direct to nonprofit executive directors. You're hitting their bottom line. You're in their budget. You're not as public facing as some other organizations might be. Yeah, we don't have mm. that big cause, you know, mm-hmm. that like pulls on your heartstrings. Yeah. You know, again, I unless I say you're doing business here in Central yeah. Oregon, and you know that our operational costs have gone up, our basic business costs have gone up, our employment costs have gone up. We're seeing all of these really substantial businesses here in Central Oregon even deciding to sell, mm-hmm. close down, you know? Um, and so, yes, our mission isn't exciting sometimes. It might not be the most fun and invigorating, but it is changing what nonprofits can do and how they can be successful. So let's let those folks be experts and do their jobs and yeah. let us do the hard work for yeah. Yeah, that's great. I didn't I didn't actually realize how much support you gave to other nonprofits lowering their accounting, lowering their books, providing yeah. a campus. Rosie Barris campus, isn't that? Yeah. I mean, it says Rosie Barris. It doesn't say children. So that is true. And you, uh, watch out, community, because that's something that's going to be changing. But yeah, folks don't know. We provided over a million dollars of savings to our nonprofits and yeah. just their facility management alone. And literally one out of 10 people that are either living in Bend, Redmond, or Lapine have come into one of the Deschutes Children's Foundation buildings and are getting services. That's nearly like 18,000 kids and families wow. every year. So yeah, it's hard to say that, yeah, that mission might not be on your face, but guess what? If you're a teacher, it's one of those kids in your class. If you've got kiddos, yeah, sure. it's one of your kids on that soccer team. It's somebody that you know is walking into one of our facilities and being able to connect with the nonprofit of their choice that can serve them best at that time. So we kind of were speaking a little bit um, as you've transitioned and talking about these times a little bit, you know, uh, COVID's in the rear view mirror and, uh, you know, the, the economy has, has been changing, but that, um, you said you had let me know you were seeing real headwinds for nonprofits and this year. And as we're closing out, obviously it's, everybody's, uh, doing their year end giving campaigns and stuff, but, um, maybe share a little bit about what your perspective has been about how nonprofits have done over the course of 2023. Yeah. You know, I think it's been incredible to see, like you said, as we come out of COVID, what is the the market? What is the nature? Where are nonprofits needing mm-hmm. that support? Um, and what is incredible to me, whether your heart is, like I said, Saving Grace or Kids Center or Mountain Star, these nonprofits have been able to overcome um, incredible odds with, quite honestly, Federal funding has decreased for many folks. There's a lot of state issues with our state funding. I'm actually working on some legislation with Nonprofit Association of Oregon that will make that easier. Um, And then like we've talked about, just like operational costs and need. Oh, that's really the kicker is the need of our community is just growing. And so for the matter of asking nonprofits to not just change and pivot during, you know, a pandemic, but to continue that trajectory of growth is incredible. It's not something that we see in every kind of business, you know, and we are seeing nonprofits reach more and more kids every year. 
But again, what these nonprofits are needing, and I don't care if you're giving to Deschutes Children's Foundation or anybody else, is it takes this community to support them, whether that's your money, whether that's your talent, whether that's your volunteer time. But we do. We have a huge number of nonprofits here that are providing critical services that our city doesn't, that our county doesn't, that can't exist without us. And so I think it's incredible to see the work that they have done despite, you know, um, cost of living here in Central Oregon being higher than it's ever been. Um, Our child poverty rates in Deschutes County are higher than they've been in the last five, six years. Um, And they're continuing to produce results. And that has to mean something to us here in Central Oregon because they are taking care of us. And so how can we as a community take care of them at the same time? Yeah, we hear a lot, you know, I think as we've talked about the post-pandemic economy about, you know, the obviously that high cost of living and how that's, how that's uh, translating into uh, the need for higher wages at, at food service industry jobs and stuff. But we don't think about the um, kind of employees that you find at nonprofits where nonprofits have to keep a, a pretty low overhead. They have to be very competitive. I mean, I think overly competitive in some situations Absolutely, just because their funding is so um, fluctuates dependent on grants, dependent on big donors. And so um, you're in that unenviable spot where as far as staff goes, you're, you've got to be real with people. Like we, we don't know what next year is going to look like. And, and that's been hard after COVID. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think the other hard piece of that is so yes, we've expected nonprofit professionals to make below market for a long time. But guess what we ask of them? (laughs) We ask them to have degrees. Sometimes we ask them to have master level degrees. We ask them to be experts. We're asking them to do life saving services and we don't compensate them. And I'm really proud to say that was part of the conversation at Saving Grace that while wasn't perfected, you know, over my four years there, we changed compensation for our direct service advocates by 25% just in trying to get them to be able, A, to do really hard work, but to live here. Again, like I said, cost of living is higher in Central Oregon than it's ever been. It's like the median home value has gone up like hundreds of thousands in just the last three years, which is insane, you know? And how can we change the conversation? Because yes, we do need nonprofits to be lean. We do need them to be good stewards of our, our dollars, whether it's grant funding, federal funding, just an individual donor. But we also need to treat them in a way right. where they can do this work, you know, and it's been really a big honor to have that conversation with legislators, with other foundations, with funders, because if we really want to see social change, guess what we can't do? We can't ask a nonprofit professional to make less than you would at a fast food drive in or at a grocery store, you know, and that is another piece of why it's been so hard for nonprofits. A, their operating costs are going up. Their employee costs are going up. This employee market is wild. And now there's more need. Um, and so that's, again, where I'm hoping to shoot Children's Foundation can come in, can be this voice for nonprofits and share what these struggles are and how that community can really help, yes, keep us accountable. We're nonprofits. We want to do this work, but support us in being that accountable and that change here in Central Oregon. Do you see, I mean, there's <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about, you know, Ben's changing demographics and while there's... Um, I mean, as the median house home price increases and, you know, there's all this, all this chitter chatter about the, I saw this Maserati, I saw this Ferrari and, you know, 
attendant with that rise, we're supposed to see more donors coming into the field, right? You should see a new crop of people who moved here from XYZ urban area and they've got expendable dollars. Do you, do you see that? Because Bend has forever uh, existed in the nonprofit world on a few founding fathers and mothers who were very generous, gave, gave to multiple, but that's, that has changed. Yeah. You know, and to answer your question, as a nonprofit professional, I have not seen huge increase of dollars for the people that are relocating here, for the new jobs, for the wealth that we are seeing here. That is not something that I yeah. have seen. It has been more work, more reach to find those individual donors. I've seen more individual donors reach out and say, hey, I can't make this monthly pledge anymore. Things are tight. I saw more corporate and business sponsors say, hey, we love you, but we just can't do it this year. Our yeah. margins are too small. And again, the thing that doesn't make sense to me, Aaron, is so child poverty rate had been like 13% here since 2018. It had kind of stayed at that level. 17.8% of wow. our kids here in Deschutes County are below the poverty rate. So like, where is that coming from when we are seeing this wealth, this growth, right. these high prices, and then at the same time, more poverty than we have seen. And that's not even speaking to how it impacts BIPOC, Latino, Hispanic folks True. here in Central Oregon. They're seeing an even higher rate. And so, no, I'm not seeing the money that we have here in Central Oregon impact nonprofits. And I'm only seeing a greater divide from the people who need us the most. Yeah, that's the, um, you know, what we I, I think there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of push on, uh, you know, certainly on how, how the affluence uh, that's moving here is shaping the community. And we, you know, our entertainment options are changing and, and there's a lot, I mean, we've joked on one of the last podcasts I think I had with Shannon Kelly, where we were like, man, there's this, as we grow, there's all these, there's benefits you get better restaurants and stuff. But um but in talking to you, that's what, what struck me is that what I, I think people don't realize is that if, if we don't see that kind of commitment to community from people who are moving here um, <clears throat> to continue the kind of support that I think nonprofits enjoyed when the population was much smaller. And I can't say that it was really, you know, I mean, we were always poverty with a view. It was the, you know, the cliche and. Um, and nonprofits had to compete in that environment. And, um, uh, I think getting that buy-in, like, how do you get that buy-in from the people who are moving here and love the mountains and don't necessarily really see the 17% of children who need their support? Yeah. You know, one thing that this was a conversation that we were having at the Red Cross a decade ago, um, because, you know, the Red Cross was a big model where like 90% of their workforce was made up of volunteers, whether it be like those blood donation volunteers, their disaster volunteers. And then, of course, like the people who come out and help with events and fundraise. But like really, as we were seeing the boomer generation get older, you know, unfortunately, kind of start to, to leave us mm -hmm. and having these younger generations, the volunteer numbers and the nonprofit support. And again, this is a decade ago was shocking. Right. It was shocking and we were having to have really hard conversations at the red cross again a huge national model about how business continued when essentially like the mindset of giving back and that mindset of commitment to community was just changing yeah. you know and i think i see it all the time here where 
where yes, we've got this wealth. And a lot of times there are people who have relocated, um, uh, Full disclosure, I relocated here myself, you know, but how many people who relocate here who actually get involved with the community who know, you know, and then we've got this middle, we've got our middle class, which most of us are. um, And then they're getting struck with hard decisions as Ben continues to grow as we get these beautiful restaurants, as we've got this really cool amphitheater, where are they investing their dollars? And their dollars are actually limited. It's not easy being in the middle class right now by any stretch, you know, and those people who have been the backbone of this community now are maybe having to make hard decisions. Do I buy a ticket to go see a concert at the amphitheater or do I go to a event for a nonprofit where it's about the same ticket price, but one's a lot more fun for me. And one actually makes a really big impact in my community. And I think that's part of the conversation that we need to have is that this community can't exist unless we invest in it and unless we invest in each other. And that's something that Central Oregon has to, it, it always has this history of doing it. But I think as we look at the world and the future, as again, Life's not getting easier. (laughs) Business isn't getting easier. I don't see any future where it's easier to be a nonprofit. We need this community now more than ever. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a strange dynamic where you've got this, um, you do have to make these decisions now. And that's just such a, that's such an increasingly difficult thing for people within the, in the community as we're growing. What, um, Cassie, what do you see? Um, I draw a blank on the question I was saying. Oh, I know. So post COVID, I mean, and I don't have the data to back mm-hmm. this up, but um, my thought is I just see fewer fundraisers. Yeah. Like into this expanding environment of people coming here. I mean, and again, it defies logic, right? You, there are not fewer people here than there were before COVID. There are more. And ostensibly, they are all living in the existing houses that now cost a lot more. So um, there's some level of, of affluence there. But I just don't see all the fundraisers. I mean, used to, we used to make jokes about the rubber chicken dinners and how many of them you had to eat in a, in a certain week. And, um, but is that is there anything to back that up? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, same thing. This was the conversation we were having at the Red Cross a decade ago. And even the Red Cross national model was taking away those fundraisers because that return on that investment was just getting so low, right? right. You're spending a third of what you're actually raising just to do it. And then all the staff time behind it, you know, and so COVID happened. We all had to stop our fundraisers. Um, and then the other piece was, if it wasn't already expensive to do one before, guess what the price of your rubber chicken costs now or that event fee at that yeah. space. And it is just whittling away at the bottom line that nonprofits are actually yeah. bringing in. And then again, it's oversaturating the market, right? I can't tell you how many people are like, well, I go to this event, but I don't even know what it's about because my yeah. company just buys a table. Right. You know, so much so at Saving Grace, we they actually we did away with right. our big annual fundraiser because it wasn't working in this market anymore. We had this like amazing opportunity to work with Happy Girls Run to just pivot and say, hold on, this model, while it worked for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, we're not in the 80s anymore. We're not in the 90s. We're certainly not even in like 2020 anymore. How does that work? And then the hard thing is, what is that expectation of the community too? Because yes, it goes away, but how can we get the message out of just because you don't see it 
doesn't mean that your money isn't needed. It means that it's needed so much sometimes right. that we can't spend right. the time, the effort, the money, the staff capacity to put on, um, ugh, I hope I don't offend anybody by this, but a bougie event when actually what we're trying to do is raise money for the people yeah, who need us right. the most. Right. And how can we change that conversation? Don't expect us to put on a bougie event. <laughs> Let us say what we need. Trust us as nonprofit professionals. Right. Skip the rubber chicken yeah. and just give us some darn money yeah. so we can continue to change this community. Yeah. But no, you, you're spot on. Yeah, and I just wonder if it, if that pivot's working. I mean, you know, as much as uh, I know that uh, nonprofits want to pivot from those types of events. Um, it's a rough road, you know. You're you're turning to friend raising, and you're convincing these folks that you know that you're the organization to to team with and donate to. But um, man, they want you know landscaping services to bid for and, mm -hmm. and potted plants and whatever else you can get it and it, it's just a it's a, it's got to be a really hard pull especially now when you know it's all been turned upside down when you you don't know whether one's going to work you don't know whether the other's going to work and the need is growing and uh and there is a need for somewhat of a new kind of model. Yeah. And I think the question of if it's going to work, I, I still don't have the answer to it. Yeah. You know, I think if I looked at what I thought of nonprofit fundraising 10 years ago compared to what I thought of four years ago, to if I had a crystal ball to what I thought it would look like in another four or five yeah. years from now, I really have no idea. And that's also the other hard thing that nonprofits have to do, right? Yes, every business model has to pivot, but it has just been so volatile and what we've needed to ask of them and what will work, right? We have built this event for 20 years and now we just have to scratch it right. because it costs too darn much to right. host it at the river house or... <clears throat> name your location, right. you know, um, and we're asking them to reinvent the wheel over and over again, which is not necessarily what you see in every other business or any other right. model, you know, and then again, we just need them to do the work, right? We don't want every nonprofit to be yeah. in the business of, again, putting on bougie, exciting events. We want them to be doing the services, right. to be saving the life. So like, can we stop asking them to be things that they don't need to be? And can we as a community yeah. just say, hey, Let's get together, let's grab a cocktail, and let's change some lives rather yeah. than um, putting on a dog and pony show sometimes. One, one other thing that you mentioned I wanted to return to was, you know, to, in talking about, everybody seems to be looking to, and this is the perpetual recycling, right, of, um, you know, the older boomers age out, um, and you've got to bring up that younger generation and I don't have the stats in front of me, but uh, they're not giving as much, you know, and the challenge, I know we're in the middle of Central Oregon Gives, and I'll plug that more later. But, um, you know, the idea was to get this digital model in which, um, you know, younger audiences who are more of a supposedly more of a digital group uh, would have a way to give. And uh, that hasn't that hasn't played out in the larger Think so. What a, what is the thought for nonprofits moving forward? I mean, it goes back to the fundraising model. Yeah, you know what I see with the with the younger generation, um, and I'm not going to speak ill of you all because I need you. This <laughs> Don't isn't do me it. Trashing you. No, where this um, is not a millennial bashing podcast. No, but <laughs> they're far more likely to share. Yeah. Than to do right. I'm going to blow up social media. I'm going to share my cause. I'm going to put it all on my story. 
can you click the link and donate your five coffees that you had this week instead to a nonprofit? Yeah. Do you know that while, yes, we all love social media and how it has been able to change our entire conversation across sure. the world, you yeah. know? Yes, it is fantastic. But liking and sharing does not get anything done, yeah. you know? Um, and same thing when you're looking at Central Oregon Gives, which has had incredible effects to our general fundraising yeah. here too. But same thing. I see so many likes on every organization's, Hey, <laughs> give to us. And then I go and look at their donation pages because I'm that weird person who like stocks central Oregon gives. I'm like, Oh, how are they doing? How are they doing? Cause I do like, this is a chance for us to show up. And I'm like, if all of those people who liked fans post or Mountain Stars post or Smarts post, you know, actually just clicked the link and donated five dollars. Right. And guess what? You get a gift in return, you know, like (laughs) it would change it. And so I really I, I don't exactly have the answer as to how we share with people and engage. Yes. Sharing a mission, sharing a cause, using your voice. Let's not be quiet. That is all needed. But that's like phase one. Yeah. You know, yeah, do that and then click that link and donate or guess yeah. what? Show up and volunteer. You know, that is so hard. Um, and uh, so, yeah, if if you are younger than I am, which most of you are, like, hear me <laughs> and hear me now. Nonprofits need you. And I get that it's hard. Like, I do not envy anybody who's coming out of college, who has debt, who is trying to figure out how to live in this world. But guess what? Yeah. You're going to need a nonprofit service or your kids will, yeah. or your family will as they age. And those things only exist if we support them, yeah. you know? And so there's got to be a change with this younger generation um, to make sure that these places exist. Because quite honestly, what I don't know is what would our community look like if nonprofits started going under, which uh, some are. Just yeah. like we've seen some businesses, I've seen nonprofits merge. I've seen nonprofits say, we can't afford to do business any right, longer. Right. Um, and sometimes that's fine. And then what happens if that's one of our critical services? There's nobody to just step up and absorb it. The government's not just going to step up and absorb it. And that is the true reality that we need to consider as a community. Yeah, it's really sad to see that Jackson's Corner is selling. It's really sad to see that some of these like big local staples are having to say it's too expensive to do business here. What happens if one of our big critical nonprofits say, we can't afford this any longer? We've lost this big funding stream. That could be detrimental to this place that we all know and love. Cassie, we're closing out time. Yeah. And uh, I didn't I didn't know if it was uh, PC to use the term geriatric millennial. Oh, Are we allowed to? You, oh, <laughs> you can use it. <laughs> so, um, well, Cassie, what would... Uh, takeaways if uh for listeners what would be uh something that for them to keep in mind or how they can get involved with Deschutes Children Foundation Uh, you know here's the thing that I love about Deschutes Children's Foundation is that when you it support doesn't have to be divided it can be multiplied 
Um, and so again, we have a really unique opportunity to be a hub of support, whether that be space, whether that be collaboration, whether that to be a voice for these nonprofits about the hard times that they are suffering. Um, and so that's kind of the unique thing. When you get to support us, you're not just supporting us, you're supporting our 19 other partners that are doing this work each and every day. And if yeah. we are not the mission for you, guess what we will do? I just saw our events and marketing manager today <laughs> say, that's not us, but here are the names of four organizations that do that. Yeah. Because again, that's the community that Central Oregon is all about. And that's that's what DCF is all about, is building community because our kids and our families are building blocks. So reach out to us at DCF, reach out to your favorite nonprofit of choice. But what I want to say more than anything is that nonprofits need us all now more than yeah, ever. And sure. we can't let them down because we need them just as much as they need us. Well, this is a good place for me to put my plug in for Central Oregon Gives. So if you are listening and you want to get involved and donate, you can go to centralorgangives.com or .org, of which Cassie was a former rock star for Saving former, Grace, uh-huh. winner of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the cool thing about it is you, you can give as as much or as, as little as you want. You can give to as many different nonprofits you want. And, and I think most importantly, you can learn a lot more about those nonprofits and what their needs are, what they do in our community and, and uh, how you can get involved. And I think that's um, equally important. So pay a visit and uh, think about it year end. It's a, it's a good time to give. You're here. It's the yeah. best way to give to nonprofits this time of year. And it's the best way to find the nonprofit. That is the right one for you to give yeah. to. Great. Well, Cassie, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Aaron. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast powered by The Source Weekly. To read, hear, and see more of what we do, go to bensource.com.